Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In Galatians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul rebukes the Christians in Galatia for entertaining a different gospel, as opposed to holding firmly to the one true gospel of Jesus Christ. Our God, Jesus, became a human man. He lived a perfect righteous obedient life and died a perfect righteous obedient death. Jesus did this on our behalf and in our place and was raised from the dead on the third day. It's by believing this good news and by trusting and receiving him alone for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul that we avoid eternal hell and spend eternity in heaven. Let's open our Bible now to Galatians chapter 1 and look at the incredible good news offered and needed by every human being in Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. It is a Wednesday afternoon here in Texas and hopefully y'all loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus, growing to know Jesus, growing to love him. I say it every teaching, there is gonna, there is literally nothing in our lives more beneficial or more edifying or that will, that will help us more um, than growing to know Jesus. Uh, more meaningfully and intimately in every aspect of our lives. Growing to know Jesus spiritually, growing to know him emotionally, right? Just making Jesus a part of everything, growing to know him physically, financially, relationally, meaning we want to make Jesus a part, a greater part of every aspect of our lives, spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, and relationally. And we do that um, in many ways. We do it in prayer. Um, we do it uh, in thanksgiving when we're just thankful and express thanksgiving to the Lord. We do it in fellowship when we go to church or when we're in community or when we do Bible study or when we're just hanging out with other Christians, right? If, if two or three Christians come together, we're having church, right? Um, but the primary way we grow to know Jesus is by spending time in the Bible, spending time in the scriptures, right? Um, just reading the Bible, reading the scriptures, studying them, meditating on the scriptures, and above all, obeying the scriptures and repenting when we fall short. So thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, well, we're going to start a, a new book today. Um, we're going to start the book of Galatians, the New Testament book of Galatians. If you open to your New Testament, right, it starts Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, right, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, okay. Uh, Galatians is, a, uh, is an incredible book. In my study, I believe it said that it was Martin Luther's uh, favorite book, his go-to book, right, the book of Galatians. Um, it's, uh, it, again, it's, it's incredible. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There are six chapters in the book of Galatians. Um, I don't know how many teachings it'll be total, maybe 12 or 13 or, or 14. Um, but, uh, um, it's just, it's good stuff. So father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for our Bible. We thank you that our Bible is a 
a holy Bible. I thank you, Father, that we have the, the living word of God. We have your word in these scriptures, Father, and we thank you for this book of Galatians. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for, uh, for leading the Apostle Paul uh, to write this book, um, and we thank you for what you have for us in it. Above all, Father, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a, a human man for us, for, for living a perfect, righteous life for us. And we thank you for dying a perfect, righteous death for us. And Father, we thank you that Jesus is alive and risen. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are alive and risen today. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open the book of Galatians. We ask you to give us eyes that see and ears that hear. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, so today uh, we're planning on doing verses 1 through 12. So we're in Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. The eighth book of the New Testament, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, the ninth book of the New Testament, okay? Okay, verse 1, Galatians 1. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers with me, to the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 6, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's interesting. You see what Paul said there in, in uh, verses 11 and 12? I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. Every other religion in the world is man-made. Okay? So, the gospel of Jesus Christ, okay? Uh, the good news of Jesus. The good news that, that our God, 
God the Son, Jesus, became a human man, entered into the world, lived a perfect, righteous, sinless life, then went on to die a perfect, righteous, sinless death, and was raised from the dead, and that by receiving him, as John 1.12 says, to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. By receiving Jesus Christ, by trusting in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, you would be forgiven of your sin. You will have relationship with the triune God. God the Father will become your heavenly Father. Jesus Christ will become your Lord and Savior and Master and King. The Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, will be your guide, your counselor, your comforter. You will be delivered from an eternity in hell, which is the only alternative to Jesus, and you will ultimately go to heaven when you leave this life and spend eternity with the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. That is the gospel. And Paul said in verse 11 here, Corinne, I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something man made up, okay? Everything but biblical Christianity is man-made, which is to say, now, of course, the whole Old Testament where God chose uh, a chosen people, the Jewish people, and throughout that entire 39 books of the Old Testament, uh, you know, he prophesies that a, a, a savior will come, a Messiah will come out of the line of the Jewish people, right? Um, from the line of David. And, you know, Jesus was, was Jewish, right? Um, in that, you know, he would be the savior of the world. He would deliver humanity from spiritual death and eternity in hell and grant all those that received him spiritual life and eternity in heaven with the triune God. That's the truth. It's not man-made, okay? That's the truth. The gospel is the word of God. It's the holy scriptures. It's the truth, again, that our God, God the Son Jesus, became a human man, lived a perfect life for us, died a perfect death for us, and has been raised from the dead, and that by trusting in him, we have the forgiveness of our sins, the salvation of our soul, deliverance from eternal hell, and then we spend eternity in heaven with the triune God. Paul says, I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something man made up. Every other religion, okay, Buddhism, um, Hinduism, Islam, um, any New Age religion, um, all of these are man-made, okay? Um, uh, Judaism, without Jesus, is now man-made. It's incomplete, okay? Um, every human being, all 8 billion people in the world need the entire Bible, okay? All of us, you know, for the people, you know, there are only two types of people in the world biblically. Those who are um, of Jewish descent, the Jews, 
and then everyone else, which the Bible calls Gentiles. And if you're not Jewish, then you're a Gentile, biblically speaking. Every single human being that's ever lived needs Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins and the salvation of their soul. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus himself out of his own mouth declared, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. They're his own words, okay? Um, and, you know, this reality, this truth comes from the triune God themselves, okay? So Paul says he wants to make it clear. I want you to know, brothers, and all of us need to know this and hear this, right, Chris? I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. So when you hear that gospel that I've explained now several times, when you hear the gospel being preached, when you hear that your God, Jesus, became a human man, lived a perfect sinless life, died a perfect sinless death, and was raised from the dead, and that by trusting and relying on him alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, you'll spend eternity in heaven as opposed to eternal hell. That's not something that came up in the mind of man. That came directly from the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And in verse 12, Paul reminds us that he received it directly from Jesus Christ. In Acts 9, you can see, you know, um, how Paul, who was Saul, um, was, was persecuting Christians. He was having them put to death. Um, he was literally like the biggest persecutor of the Christians. He was having Christians killed. And while he was on his way to do this in Acts 9, Jesus appears to him on what's called the road to Damascus. And Paul is knocked off his horse from a blinding light. Um, and Jesus speaks to him out of the light and he's immediately converted and immediately begins to preach that Jesus is the Christ. So he says in verse 12, I did not receive it from any man, the gospel. It's not man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. So Paul was different than the rest of us. All the rest of us in the world, the 8 billion people in the world today, we receive the gospel from others, right? Meaning we can read it in our Bible and we'll learn from what Paul wrote down here, right? We can learn about Jesus by reading our Bible, which was written down by, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the gospels, then the apostle Paul and Peter, um, you know, Jude, the apostle John, um, the authors of the New Testament, right? Um, uh, the book of Hebrews, and we don't know who the author is, perhaps Apollos, right? Um, but Paul said, I did not receive it from any man. You and I, you know, when we learn the gospel, we didn't get it directly from Jesus, right? Again, if we read it in our Bible, you know, we read what, what the revelation Jesus gave to Paul and Paul shared with us, right? Jesus gave the gospel to the 12 apostles, right? And they, you know, and they shared it with others. But Paul wants to make it clear that I did not receive it from any man. So Paul did not, you know, he says, nor was I taught it. 
So Paul did not receive the gospel, David, right? He didn't get it. He didn't learn it from Peter or Mark or Luke or John or James or, or any of you know the apostles of Jesus Christ or servants of Jesus Christ. Paul received the good news of the gospel, the revelation of the gospel directly from God the Son, Jesus himself. Okay, And as I said, of the 8 billion people in the world, all of us learn the gospel, the good news about Jesus, and it's passed down to us. And we again, we can learn it directly from studying the Bible, and generally we'll learn it from, you know, we may have a gospel track, or someone may share the gospel with us, um, but we're taught it, right, by others, right? Others that are teaching the revelation that Jesus gave to Paul. But Paul didn't get it that way. Paul got it directly from Jesus. So the reason this is so important is that our trust in Jesus Christ is not founded on something that came up, some idea that came up in the mind of man. When you don't believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, when you refuse to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, you are charging that the gospel of Jesus Christ, again, that God became a man, lived a perfect life, died a perfect death, and was raised from the dead, you're charging that that's all man-made, okay? It's quite a charge, okay? When you refuse to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, when you refuse to give your life to Jesus, to receive him and trust and rely on him alone for the forgiveness of your sins, the salvation of your soul, deliverance from eternal hell, and to go and spend eternity in heaven, what you're saying is that this gospel is made up in the mind of man or that in the mind of woman, that you're saying that you don't believe it and you just think the whole thing is just a hoax made up somewhere, okay? And that, you know, the two billion Christians in the world and, and obviously this guy, the Apostle Paul, who wrote this book, and as a side note, it's universally accepted by all historians, okay? Secular and Christian, meaning those who are not religious, okay, uh, those who are not Christians, um, but but qualified scholars and historians universally credit this book to this particular man, uh, the Apostle Paul. Okay, um, so there is no question that Paul wrote these words. Okay. There's no question that he believed them. Okay. So again, when we reject Jesus Christ, we're saying that this man, Paul, is just either out of his mind. We're saying that he's delusional. We're saying that, you know, he just made this whole thing up. We're, we're, I mean, think of the ramifications of rejecting the gospel. Okay. Now, Paul wants to clear all that up. Okay, so he goes out of his way to teach us, I want you to know, brothers, and that means brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not something man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. So what Paul is communicating from us, he's telling you, 
you can believe it with certainty as he received it from Jesus himself, God the Son. Now, let's go back here to verse 1. And this, this verse, these verses is off the chain. But look at look what he writes here. And there's something in here that's so powerful, there's no words for it. Verse 1. He announces himself as the author and that he was called by Jesus as an apostle. Look at Paul, verse 1, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man. So again, he wants to assure you that his call in what he's doing and what he's writing has not come from human beings. Okay, it's not some fanciful thing that came out of his own mind, nor was he sent or led by any religious institution, nor was he sent by anyone else in the Christian church. But he's letting you know Jesus himself, okay, is the one that commissioned Paul to give us this truth. All right. So let that let that sink in, Ian. Let that get deep down in your head. Right, Leah? I mean, let it go deep, Esther, okay? Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Now, there is there is something so incredible in here. There's no words, but uh, this may be the greatest evidence of the deity of Jesus. Now, what do I mean by that? Uh, Jesus clearly throughout the Gospels, right, uh, you know, proclaimed himself to be God. I mean, when you go through the Gospel of John, and I believe we had 91 teachings, we did the whole Gospel of John, you'll see Jesus consistently through that book, um, you know, claiming, right, using statements like, before Abraham was, I am. And they pick him up to stone him. And he says, why are you stoning me? Right? And, and they say, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. And Jesus doesn't correct him. Jesus doesn't say, oh, no, that's that's really not what I was saying, like any rational person would do, right? Any rational person in the history of the world, okay, is that's not a total psychopath, knows they're not God, right? Now, again, when people lose their minds and stuff, of course, any anybody, anything can, can say anything. But no reasonable, rational person in any way has ever, ever believed themselves to be God. But when Jesus is charged with being God, when people fall at his feet and worship him, when Thomas in John 20 says, my Lord and my God, and worships him, he doesn't correct him. He doesn't stop him. And as I said, he makes statements like, before Abraham was, I am. And back in you know Exodus, I believe it's chapter four, I am was the name that God used when he said to Moses, when Moses said, who do I say you are? And God told Moses, tell the people that I am who I am sent you. And so Jesus referred to himself as that great I am God. But to understand how Paul viewed Jesus and how Paul certainly viewed Jesus as God, he does something here that's just that's overwhelming. He actually writes Jesus ahead of the father. Now, we have a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit, okay? They are three separate persons. They're equal in the fact that they're all God, okay? They all have the nature of God, okay? Now, there is a, you know, there is an, an order of authority in the Trinity, God the Father, then God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, but they're all 
almighty God, three separate persons, right? God is so profound in his being, he expresses himself in three separate individual persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Um, but when Paul says an apostle sent not from men, from men nor by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, First of all, you would never, you would never put, you would never put another name alongside God the Father. Okay, so when he not only does he say sent by Jesus Christ and God the Father, but he actually puts Jesus first. And again, it's it's not something you would ever rationally do, Scott, unless you believed that Jesus Himself is God. Right? He's God the Son. Um, and God, the, you know, God, the father is God, the father, God, the Holy spirit. They're all God, but it's, it's notable that he's willing to write Jesus's name. First, we were in Bible study yesterday and, uh, we were talking about it and, uh, you know, Tom made a good point. It's this very well, maybe it, it was Jesus, God, the son who appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus personally, right? And personally, you know, converted him, personally called him, personally appointed him. So perhaps that's why he mentions Jesus first, but it's something that's, that's just, that's unheard of, okay? First of all, you would just say God the Father and you wouldn't say anything else. But when you put another name alongside God the Father, if that person is not God, then then what you've done is is blasphemous, Okay. But it's not blasphemous because Jesus is God himself, okay? Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, okay? So when he says that, but by Jesus Christ, it's clear that Jesus Christ, Paul doesn't see Jesus Christ as a man. Now, certainly Jesus became a man, right? He became a human man and, again, lived a perfect life, died a perfect death. But Jesus was, is fully God and fully man. So when he says an apostle sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ, he's clearly not referring to, to Jesus the man, but Jesus who's God. But by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. It's interesting it says here that God the Father raised Jesus from the dead. I believe it's in Romans 8. It says the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. And I believe in John, I think it's chapter 10, that it says that Jesus raised himself from the dead. Okay, so we can see the cooperation of the Trinity in the resurrection of Christ. As a matter of fact, you see the cooperation of the Trinity in everything. It's incredible. So Paul announces himself. He makes it clear that that his apostleship and what he's writing is not for men nor by man. It's not by humanity, but by God, the son, Jesus, God, the father who raised him from the dead. Verse two and all the brothers with me to the churches in Galatia. So again, no one else helped Paul to write this. Paul is led by the Holy Spirit and he writes this letter, but he's simply announcing that all the brothers and sisters in Christ that are with him, um, you know, you know, when he's writing this, um, you know, are in agreement with this letter. So he says, Paul, an apostle sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers with me to the churches in Galatia. Now, Galatia was not 
a city. Galatia was a region or a province, right? So in Galatia, you would have many different cities. So this letter would have been recopied over and over and over again and sent to the individual churches. So so think again, Galatia is a region or or a, a province. So say in uh, you know, say in you know in Dallas County, you know, or Los Angeles County, um, you know, you may have a dozen cities, right? Um, and so you can think of it in that way. Verse three, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So notice now Paul in his traditional greeting puts God the Father first and the Lord Jesus Christ. But again, by saying God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, he's making them equal in God, right? You would never say grace and peace to you. You would only say God the Father unless the person after that is also God, okay? Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's that's what he offers you, right? Grace and peace to you. For the vast majority of us, we talked about this yesterday, right, Peyton? And um, we talked about it in Bible study yesterday, Peyton. You weren't there, but um, most of us, the things we want most, the things we desire most are material things, okay? Um, but Paul says grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's these, these spiritual blessings that are the most, you know, not only the most important, but the most precious blessings that we can have. I mean, of everything that you could have, right? Of anything, of, of all that you could ask God the Father and the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit for, um, you know, what would you ask for? What do you pray for, right? What do you desire? Do you desire the increasing blessing? Do you desire grace and peace, right? Or do you more desire material things like, you know, nicer homes and cars and bigger bank accounts and nicer vacations and better hobbies and better health? And, and of course, all of those things are wonderful. We love it, right? But it's the spiritual blessings that we ought to desire most, right? So in your prayers, right? And again, when you pray, you can pray to God the Father, you can pray to God the Son, Jesus. You can pray to God the Holy Spirit. Certainly, you ought to praise them all, worship each member of the Trinity. Um, they're all God, right? Um, we thank them all, right? Uh, you never pray to another human being, okay? You can pray to each member of the triune God. You can praise and worship each member of the triune God. Um, you can give prayers of thanksgiving to each member of the triune God, but that's it. Okay, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, God the Holy Spirit, no one else. We don't pray to any human beings. Um, we don't need to go in. We don't need an in-between, right? Meaning we don't pray to the Apostle Paul so that he can go talk to Jesus for us. In Jesus Christ, we have a direct link to God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. If we're not in Jesus Christ, then we have no relationship with them at all, Okay. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the spiritual blessings that we need to, to increasingly desire. So again, when you, when you look in your heart and in your prayers, is it, is it more grace and more peace that you want to have from your heavenly father? And again, it's fine when we pray and we should ask for the things we need. Jesus said, give us this day, our daily bread, but man, let's start praying. Lord, give us our, our daily bread of grace today. And I ask for my 
daily bread of peace, right? Does that make sense, Uncle Dennis? All right. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. It's interesting. In his introduction, in this letter of Galatians, Paul, this is in verse 4, right? He gives his introduction, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, verse 3. Verse 4, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us. Okay? The gospel, the good news of the gospel is that a Savior has come. Our God, God the Son, Jesus, became a human man to become our Savior. Okay? The reason we needed saving is because all human beings are detestably and grossly, irreversibly sinful in themselves. Okay? All 8 billion people in the world are completely sinful and separated from God, and their only hope to avoid eternal hell is Jesus Christ. Okay? Romans 3.23 says that every human being has sinned and falls short of God's holy standard. And we are hopeless, helpless, and desperate. And only in Jesus can that be rectified. Only in Jesus can we be rescued. Verse 4, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us. Okay? Are you trusting and relying on Jesus Christ alone today for the forgiveness of your sins, the salvation of your soul, your deliverance from eternal hell, and to ultimately go to heaven and spend eternity in hell when you're taken from this life? You know, maybe some of you would say, you know, I'm not sure. I believe in Jesus, but I don't know if I'm trusting in him. I don't know if I'm just relying on him alone. I don't know if I'm clinging to him. If you're not sure, you can simply humble yourself now in prayer. Um, you know, uh, Romans 3.23 is one that says that all human beings have sinned and fall short of God's holy standard. But Romans 10.13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now hear me, it's not just, you're not saved by just saying words. It's not our words that save us. It's Christ that saves us. But we communicate our heart to Jesus with, with our words, right? So again, Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So what does he mean by that? Well, it doesn't just mean just to puppet words and you'll be saved. It means that when you call out to the Lord with a genuine and sincere heart, knowing your need of him, knowing you're hopeless, helpless, and desperate without him, right? And from that place, you simply, you call out to him and you receive him, right? And you place your faith and trust in Jesus. So if you're not sure, just, you know, just bow your head now and use the words I'm going to use. But again, it's the, it's the genuineness and sincerity of your heart that matters. Simply pray, Lord Jesus, I I know that I'm a sinful person, Lord. I confess that I am certainly a sinner. And Lord Jesus, I know that I am indeed hopeless and helpless and desperate. 
But Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. And I believe you did come into this world and lived a perfect righteous life, even for me, and died a perfect righteous death, even for me. And Lord Jesus, I believe you are alive and risen today. Therefore, I ask you now, Lord Jesus, to come into my heart, to be the Lord of my life, to save me from my sin, and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and hope and trust and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. Jesus, it's in your name I pray. Amen. Again, that's how you become a Christian. But again, it's it's not just going through those motions. Again, that's just us in faith, right? Calling out to the Lord, right? Placing our full faith and trust and confidence in him alone. So again, you're not sure you're a Christian, rewind the tape and, and use the words. But again, it's you, you want to, a Christian is someone who's genuinely trusting in Jesus Christ alone and only Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins and the salvation of their soul. Because verse four says, you know, grace and peace to you. Verse three, from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us. We need to be rescued. We need to be rescued from this life and from eternal hell in the next life, okay? To rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever, right? Um, it's often been said we don't know what was harder. Was it harder for the God the Father to send and give God the Son you know, and, and just the brutal torture that he endured on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul. Was it harder for the father to, to give the son or was it harder for the son to become a man and do those things, right? And then for the Holy Spirit and his part in all of it, I mean, again, the work of redemption, right? The work of our, our sins being paid for, you can see this cooperation of the triune God. Now it is Jesus, the second member of the Trinity, God, the son who became a human man and did it. But you can see the cooperation of each member of the Trinity in all of it, right? Um, amen, Father, we thank you. Verse six, I am astonished that you were so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Verse seven, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. There is no other gospel, okay? There are, there are many Christian denominations, right? People who call themselves Christians and they pervert the one true gospel. How do you pervert the gospel? Uh, one of the greatest ways people pervert the gospel, right? And, and not great meaning good, but great in quantity, right, um, is, is that they add to the gospel, okay? Uh, the gospel is that we are helpless, hopeless, wretched sinners, and only in Christ and what he's done can we be rescued. There's nothing we can add to that, okay? 
We pervert the gospel by adding to it and saying, okay, well, you need to receive Jesus and you need to trust and rely on Jesus, but, but you have to do good too, okay? Obviously, we ought to live a life of good works, but none of that saves us. None of that will help to save us. As a matter of fact, anything we try to add to it would condemn us. Hear me when I say this. The worst one minute, I'm sorry, the finest one minute of my life. If you took the finest one minute I ever lived, the most righteous one minute of my life that I ever lived, it would send me right to hell. Okay? I'm a desperate sinner in need of a savior, and only the savior, Jesus Christ, can save me, and I can add nothing to that. Paul said in verse 6, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Okay, so the gospel you've heard me articulate over and over and over and over is the one true biblical gospel that came through Jesus Christ. Okay, given by God the Father, came through Jesus Christ, sealed by the Holy Spirit. Okay, the one true gospel that every human being is a hopeless, wretched, despicable sinner, and only in receiving Christ and Christ alone can they be forgiven of their sins, right? Escape eternal hell forever, right? Have relationship with each member of the triune God and ultimately go to heaven when you die, okay? The people in Galatia and even today, there are consistently people out that are adding to the gospel, taking away from the gospel. Anytime we do that, we're perverting the gospel, and it's a different gospel. Verse 7, which is really no gospel at all, okay? So when you add to the gospel, when you take away from the gospel, okay, when you try to add to what Jesus has done or take away from what Jesus has done, it's no gospel at all, okay? I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. There are people everywhere in the world today, Scott. Everywhere, Chloe, there are people who are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. It's our job as Christians, of course as ministers, but every, every Christian's job is to stand for and contend, as we learned in Jude, right, Lauren, for the one true gospel of Jesus Christ our Lord, okay? Which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ, okay? If it's not the one true gospel, and I've now said it's got to be a dozen times, right? Half dozen times. Um, if it's not the pure, true gospel then it's no gospel at all. And even today, people are trying to throw others in confusion, trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. I'll say it again so it gets down in our head. Every Christian ought to be, be able to articulate what the gospel is. Gospel means good news. Here's the good news. That our God, God himself, the second member of the Trinity, God the Son, Jesus, willingly became a human man and entered this earth. He humbled himself and took on human flesh, okay? It would be more appropriate for a human being to be a roach than God to be a man. 
the gospel is our God, God the Son Jesus, entered into humanity, became a human man, took on human flesh, then lived a perfect, righteous, sinless life that we couldn't live. He did that on our behalf and in our place. Then he died a perfect, righteous, sinless death, which we also couldn't do. He did that on our behalf and in our place and then was raised from the dead, okay? And that by believing in that and trusting in what Jesus Christ has done on the cross, okay, and living that perfect life, dying that perfect death, when you trust in Jesus Christ, that that perfect righteous life that Jesus lived is credited to you, okay, as if you lived it, and all of your sin and my sin that we committed in our life is credited to Jesus at the cross. It's incredible, right? That exchange, right, all of my sin, past, present, and future, for the perfect, sinless, righteous life of Jesus Christ, that exchange is the heart of the Christian gospel. And that by trusting in Jesus alone for that forgiveness of my sins and the salvation of my soul, will I be saved? Will I be given spiritual life? Will I come into relationship with each member of the triune God? God the Father becomes my heavenly Father. God the Son, Jesus, becomes my Lord and Savior and Master and King. God the Holy Spirit becomes my guide, my counselor, my comforter, comes to live inside of me, right? Is one with me, right? Is married to me. I'm part of the body of Christ. I'm married to Jesus in spirit. We're part of the bride of Christ, right? In Jesus Christ, no more will I go to eternal hell. Without Jesus, only hell awaits. There is no in-between, okay? There's no bogey after this life. Regrettably, there is no purgatory. It's either Christ or hell. That's why we so passionately teach these things. That's what the Bible teaches. Um, And it's in Jesus we ultimately go to heaven when we die. That's the true gospel, And it cannot be perverted, and we have to stand on it. Look at Paul says in verse 8. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. Now, again, this seems harsh, right? But that's what Paul said. But even if we, Paul said, if I start telling you something different, or an angel from heaven, an angel comes and says, I'm an angel from heaven, should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you. Now, I've gone over it a half dozen times here on this teaching, right? Let him be eternally condemned. Verse 9, he's going to repeat himself. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. It uh, It is just the harshest of, of rebukes, right? To pervert the one true gospel of Jesus Christ. Why would Paul be so harsh? Well, because you're getting in the way. To pervert the gospel of Christ is to partner with people going to hell. It's to take away their only option for the forgiveness of their sins, the salvation of their soul, to escape eternal hell and to go to heaven when they die. And when we pervert the gospel, that's what we're doing. Now, listen, Um, when Paul says this, he's not talking about people who've never understood the gospel, who don't really, you know, who don't really get it. 
um, you know, he's not talking about innocent mistakes here. He's talking about people who, 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 are, who would hear this teaching, for instance, hear the clarity of it, hear the truth of it, be convicted of it by the Holy Spirit, and you still go out there and you pervert the gospel and say, well, it's Jesus and this, or it can be Jesus and this, or maybe you can be Jesus, or maybe Buddha, or maybe Muhammad, or maybe, I don't know, whatever the Hindu gods are, or there's all these kind of new ages and all these roads to heaven. None of it. All of that only leads to condemnation and eternal hell. We're eternally condemned anyway if we don't receive Jesus Christ. John 1.12 to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. If you haven't received him, you don't have the right to become children of God. The Bible says then we're children of the devil if we're not a child of God and we spend eternity in hell where the devil is. It's horrible, okay? That's why we do these teachings. Verse 10, Am I now trying to win the approval of men? Clearly not. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. Okay. Um, sharing the one true gospel is not popular. People don't like it. Paul makes it clear here in what he just said, right? He's used such firm absolute words that it's Christ or hell. So in verse 10, he says, am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? It's a rhetorical question. And the obvious answer is, well, a lot of people don't like what you're saying. It's very hard for us as Christians. Oftentimes we want the approval of, of, of other human beings, right? We want the approval of our family, of our friends. We, 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 we want to make everyone happy. We want we want everyone to be happy with us. Um, and, and certainly we shouldn't go out of our way to make people dissatisfied. But when it comes to heaven and hell, life or death, right? when it comes to Jesus, we have to stand on the truth and we cannot be people pleasers, right? And I'll say again, I mean, I've made the mistake. I mean, none of us have been perfect, right? We, we've all, you know, you know, said things and, you know, wanted to be people pleasers at times. But am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Verse 10. Or am I trying to please men? Where are you today in this aspect? Do you, you know, most Christians, if they were to be perfectly candid and frank and honest with themselves and others would say, yeah, no, I, I still have a, you know, most of my life is about being a a people pleaser. I'm always trying to please people and make people happy. And again, we should be thoughtful and loving, but when it comes to the truth, we ought never be people pleasers. Because look at what Paul says, verse 10. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? It's rhetorical. We should always wanting, to, you and I should always want the approval of Jesus and of our heavenly father and of the Holy Spirit. We should always want the approval of the triune God, right? Or am, I or, or am I trying to please men? Again, look at, look at your life and to where you can see that, that you're not standing for the truth. You just want to repent. There's no condemnation, no shame, no guilt. But simply you go to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, I'm, I'm sorry for where I've been a, a man pleaser. And Lord, I'm sorry where I've been a people pleaser. Forgive me, Lord. If I were still trying to please men, last part of verse 10, 
If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. We cannot be a servant of Christ. We cannot effectively serve Jesus and be people pleasers at the same time. Okay, and again, when I say people pleasers, right, Benny, I'm talking about where we're we're always trying to say things to please people. Okay, of course we should be encouraging. Of course we should build people up, but we cannot sacrifice the truth of the Son of God, the Word of God, the Gospel of God, in order to please people. We can't just say all roads lead to heaven in order to please people. We can't say, yeah, you know. If you're good and and you're a good Hindu or a good Buddhist or a good Muslim, you'll go to heaven. No, that's not what the Bible teaches. And when you do that, you're a partner in them going to hell. Again, I wish everyone went to heaven, but this is not what the scripture teaches. If, if, If someone could get to heaven without Jesus, then God himself, Jesus, would not have to have become a human being and and been tortured for the forgiveness of our sins. So again, we just want to repent because we can't be people pleasers when it comes to the biblical truth of Christianity and Christ alone for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul. We cannot compromise that and be servants of Christ. And then as we already went through, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preach is not something that man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Again, everything else is man-made. Okay? Again, the whole Old Testament is true. But without Jesus Christ, if 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 you're a Jewish person today and you have not received Jesus Christ, then you have not, you don't have the full revelation of God and you're still in your sin. And in that state, you'll spend eternity in hell. Give your life to Jesus today, wherever you are, whether you're Jewish or you're Gentile. And again, a Gentile is anyone who's not Jewish. Give your life to Jesus Christ and stand on the truth of what the scripture teaches, because it's not man-made. It didn't come up. It wasn't made up. It's the truth of the word of God. Father, we thank you for your word We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your favor. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, Father, for our Bibles. But above all, we thank you for Jesus, the Son of God, who became a human man, who lived a perfect life, who died a torturous, perfect death, and was raised from the dead. I thank you. We thank you for Jesus, Lord Jesus. We thank you for coming, Lord. We thank you for living in our place, for dying in our place. And we thank you that you are alive and risen. And we worship you today, Lord Jesus. We worship you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal the message to our hearts. Seal this message to our hearts. We ask you give us one and all eyes that see Jesus and ears that hear him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus.